Good morning and happy Christmas. You know, I count it a privilege every time to be able to speak, to bring the word of God. And I pray today it encourages you, it blesses you and even challenges you as well. You know, for many of us, 2020 has been a challenging, maybe even shocking year. But there is hope. You know, just in recent weeks, we hear this kind of glimmer of hope being spoken about that a vaccine is coming. There's hope on the horizon, a better tomorrow. There, there is something coming that we can look forward to, a better 2021. You know, I'm hopeful for next year. I'm hopeful that it is going to be a great year. But actually, true hope, Jesus' hope, isn't momentary. And it's not based in wishful thinking about what may come tomorrow, but it's based upon what did happen when 2020 years ago in an unassuming town of Bethlehem, this beautiful story starts to unfold that offers hope for us today. Jesus was born. And you might say, yeah, I know the story. I get it. We celebrate Christmas every year, but... How does a baby being born into the world 2020 years ago actually offer me hope today in what has been a challenging year? And really, that's what I want to unpack a little bit today. But to do that, we're first going to zoom out. You see, before this biblical, beautiful Bethlehem story, there's a bigger, broader, deeper story that God invites us to be part of. You see, God, the creator of the universe, he created man and woman in his own image. He created them to be in perfect relationship with himself. But man and woman fell. They broke that perfect relationship. Sin came into the world. And since that moment, God has been making ways to reconcile, to restore, re to redeem that relationship that there once was between man and woman and God himself. And actually the whole um, narrative of the Old Testament is like these peaks and troughs of the people of Israel, God's chosen people, obeying him for a season, but then disobeying him. You know, following him wholeheartedly, but then falling away spectacularly. And then about 700 years before the birth of Jesus, a man called Isaiah comes onto the scene and he's a prophet and he starts speaking into the situation that the people found themselves in. It was a mess. The nation of Israel, God's chosen people had split the kingdom of Israel in the north and the kingdom of Judah in the south. It was a hopeless situation. And Isaiah starts to speak into that hopeless situation. The people of Judah felt powerless. They were afraid of their neighbours in the north. And that as their enemies only seemed to tighten their grasp around them, they didn't know if God had left them, if he was for them, or if he was against them. And in the midst of all these prophecies that Isaiah brings to the people of God, he starts to share these prophetic visions of someone who would come to rescue God's people, the Messiah. Isaiah offers a glimmer of hope into their desperate reality. Hope expected. In Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, we read this. A beautiful verse we read most Christmases. 
For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness and of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. God was going to send a ruler to rescue his people, a liberator to free his people, a saviour to save them from their oppressors, to get them out of their hopeless situation. God was going to pull through. Can you imagine the hope that that starts to bring in the middle of desperation? desperation when you hear those words, when you hear the Messiah, the government will be upon his shoulders. He'd govern. You know, I think of government, I think of leadership, I think of power, I think of authority. He'd be a wonderful counsellor. He'd be wise, bringing about guidance to his chosen people. He'd be mighty God. Messiah would be powerful, even divine. He'd be everlasting father. Messiah's kingdom would not be momentary, but it would be eternal forever. He'd be prince of peace. Messiah would save them not by war, but by peace. Couple that with hundreds of messianic prophecies throughout the Old Testament. The people were expecting hope. They anticipated freedom. They were excited for a better future. Messiah is coming. Tell everyone. Hope expected. Hope is on the horizon. And so they waited with anticipation and they waited with expectation for God to fulfill his word, for Messiah to come. I know a little bit about that recently because we've just moved house. And when we found our house, we had great anticipation. We had great excitement. We knew where we wanted everything to go. And we made all these plans based on that expectation. But when it didn't happen in our timing, frustration started to creep in. Disappointment started to creep in. And we were thinking, will it ever happen? Now, that's only a glimpse because the people of Israel had to wait for, wait for it, 700 years. Can you imagine the disappointment? Can you imagine the frustration? They went into exile in that time and they came out of it in that time. But 700 years later, that hope that was expected became hope experienced. As a census causes mass people movement throughout that region, a girl expecting a baby goes to Bethlehem with her carpenter husband, who's of the line of David. And in a spare room where the animals were kept, a baby is born. A son is given. And this is the hope of Christmas, that God came down to earth. This baby was God himself. God in humanity born in humility. You see, even in his arrival, God turns everything upside down. The hope expected wasn't as expected. Indeed, the first people to hear this amazing news were not those who you would expect. It was shepherds tending their sheep on a hillside. And this angel appears to them in wonder and awe and says this in Luke 2 verse 11. Today, In the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying 
in a manger. The heavenly anthem resounds, Messiah is here. You don't need to wait any longer. Hope is here. And I love that the Christmas story brings those shepherds from the hillside, magi from the east, a teenage girl, a carpenter, a prophetess, Anna, an old man, Simeon. And God brings together this mix of different people and contexts. And it's right into that situation that God arrives. Christ breaks down the barriers between man and God and extends hope to everyone, regardless of age, background and culture. This baby brings hope to everyone because God is now with them. The transcendent, awesome, creator, amazing, powerful God has now become imminent, close, near. God has come to earth. God is now not just a God of his people, he's a God with his people. In John 1:14, in the message we read this, the word became flesh and blood and moved into our neighbourhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes. How does God with his people bring hope? Because presence brings hope. I was once visiting someone in hospital and got up to go and they grabbed my hand and they said, don't go. Why? Because my presence there brought them some hope. And God with us brings hope. His presence brings power. His presence brings peace. There's someone else with me in this thing called life. And the great hope of Christmas is that someone else isn't just a friend or a family member. That someone else is God himself. Wow. And Jesus grew and he showed in his birth and his life that he was indeed the fulfillment of all those prophetic messages that we spoke about earlier. He was the Messiah. Jesus was the wonderful counsellor. Even those who did not recognise him as Messiah recognised his wisdom and his counsel. In fact, there's been advances in every area of science and technology, but there has no one ever improved upon the moral and wisdom teaching of Jesus. Jesus it was the wonderful counsellor. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says this, Christ became the wisdom of God to us. Jesus was mighty God. Fully man, yes, but fully God. Throughout his life, he performed miracles, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he delivered people from demon possession and crippling situations. Jesus was the everlasting father. His kingdom was everlasting. He was the only one who could reveal God's fatherly heart to us. He's one in essence and nature with the father. In fact, he said to his followers in John 10, I and the father are one. Jesus was the Prince of Peace. He came to offer deep peace to all those who would trust him. He calms the storms and he brings peace to earth. Hope experienced. But the great news is that hope did not stay there. Hope that was expected became hope that was experienced. And hope that was experienced has now become hope extended. Because 33 years later, after Jesus' birth, he went to Jerusalem and he was hung on a cross. The rulers and the people of that day thought they had killed him off. But actually, Jesus' death 
was a way, a sacrifice given by God himself to restore that relationship that had been broken. Hanging on a cross, Jesus said, sin is dealt with. Relationship could now be restored between man and God. And then three days later, when the finality of death caused many to conclude that Jesus maybe wasn't the Messiah, a miraculous moment. He rose again from the death saying, there is no power greater than the power of Jesus. The power of God is stronger than sin and is stronger than death. That is the hope that is extended to you and to me. 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says it like this. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. The gift of Jesus was not just God with them, but is now God with us here and now today. And the testimony of my life is that whatever situation I find myself in, whatever trial and whatever struggle, at all times, he is my hope. He's with me all the time. He never leaves me nor forsakes me. God is with me now. And I've found him to be faithful. He still brings hope. I've found him to be the one who the government is on his shoulders. He's got this. He's God and I'm not. You know, whatever's weighing me down, his shoulders are big enough to take it. That gives me hope. I've found his counsel to be wise. I can bring my faults and my fears, my uncertainties, and I know he listens and he cares and he gives wisdom for my life. That brings me hope. I found him to be mighty God, beyond my ability to be powerful. He breaks through in situations. He still heals and he shows his power. That brings me hope. He is eternal father whose arms are always wide, whose grace is always sufficient. That brings me hope. He is the Prince of Peace, the calm and rest who remains ever constant even when everything around us is not. That brings me hope. And because of this baby coming to earth, the confident expectation of my life is that I have been restored, I have been forgiven, I have been rescued. God is with me now in all things for now and for eternity. I have hope in Jesus. I want to finish with this because I want to extend that hope to you today. My son Joshua loves documentaries on TV. I'll come downstairs and look on the planner and he's recorded things like Heathrow, Britain's busiest airport. But his favourite one is Saving Lives at Sea. I don't know if you've seen it. It's a documentary about the amazing volunteer crew of the RNLI who keep our coasts safe in the UK. And sometimes I sit down and I watch a bit with him. I kind of think, oh, I'll have five minutes watching this. And an hour later, I've watched the whole episode because the narrative of it resonates so deeply with our human need and understanding. Because there is always someone who needs rescuing. Someone maybe got into trouble because they've made a mistake. They'd stayed out too long and the tide has come around them. They need rescuing. Someone's maybe made a foolish choice, a, a a bad decision, they've done something silly and they're in trouble, they need rescuing. 
Maybe someone's taken a wrong turn and they're out of their depths. Some maybe get caught in a rip current and they try and swim against it and they realise they're not as strong as they thought they were. And sometimes it's completely external. A storm comes in that wasn't expected and they find themselves in the middle of a deadly storm. But whatever the cause, they end up surrounded, overwhelmed, struggling, desperate and hopeless. They need help. And then in the distance, this orange vessel starts to skip across the waves, starts to speed towards them. And as they retell their story, their tone starts to lift. They revisit that moment where even though they felt hopeless, there was a glimmer of hope. And the narrative continues. You see, every time the lifeboat comes for the one. It doesn't go, oh, there's only one person who needs rescuing now. We won't launch today. We'll wait till someone else needs rescuing. No, every time the lifeboat launches for the one, their role is to rescue. And in that situation, when everything is against you and the lifeboat crew pulls alongside and the hand reaches out, what would you do? With all your remaining strength, you'd grab on hold, grab onto their hand and take that hand of rescue. You'd embrace the person bringing you hope in what only can be classed as a completely hopeless situation. Maybe you need hope today. You need rescue today. Just like the lifeboat, God gave his gift of hope, Jesus, to rescue, to rescue you and to rescue me, regardless of whatever situation we're in. Maybe you've made mistakes. You feel like there's no hope for you because of the mistakes you've made. Maybe you've made foolish choices and you blame yourself and you think, I'm not worthy of God's hope and rescue. Maybe you've taken a wrong turn in life. You're floundering and the storm is gathering around you. Maybe you realise you're not as strong as you thought you were. You need help, you need hope. Or maybe your external situations have changed and you found yourself in the middle of the worst storm in life out of absolutely no fault of your own. I want to say to you today, Jesus offers you hope. He offers rescue. He comes alongside, reaches out his hand and says, will you accept can I challenge you quickly? What would you think if that person floundering in the water, they're drowning, they're in a hopeless situation and the, the lifeboat pulls alongside and the hand reaches out and they go, thanks for coming, but no, I've got this. I'll just swim harder. I'll just try harder. I'll get myself out of this mess. I really appreciate your time and everything, but I'm okay. I'll do this on my own. You'd think they were absolutely crazy. Just take the rescue. I want to tell you today, maybe for some remind you, that Jesus came to bring hope, to rescue, to come alongside and stretch out his arm to save you. A saviour is born. Hope expected before it was hope experienced. Hope experienced before it became hope extended to you and to me for now and for eternity. Will you accept? Will you accept the hand of hope that Jesus offers you today?